Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly. And today I am here with someone who's recently become, I would say, a a lovely new friend. Um, This is Bree Hall. I was recently on Bree's upcoming podcast, which is incredible. We're going to be talking about it on this show as well. But for those who are not familiar with this incredible Gemini sun, Scorpio moon, Sagittarius rising, Bree Hall, aka Lahara, is a multi-talented singer, songwriter, YouTuber, and lifestyle blogger. She originally started her YouTube presence under the name, well, how do you say this? Smartista Beauty. Smartista Beauty in 2014, also known as That Bitch, when it comes to the essentials of fashion, hair care, and beauty. Since the early days, she has evolved into a creative guru, putting out R&B singles that capture her soulful presence and dishing out fabulous advice for self-care and inner beauty. The following on her channel has grown to over 700,000, which is just a really big number, with millions of views to witness her wisdom and glow. Wisdom and glow is 100% correct. And we were also just teeing before this about how incredible all of these names are for capturing the true essence of Gemini. Having so many different AKAs is like the most Gemini thing imaginable. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I could not be more excited for this episode, especially the way we left off on my podcast. Like I was just like, just itching to talk to you again about everything we were just leading up to. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I, spoiler for those who are going to soon be listening to Bree's podcast is um, Bree challenged me to guess her sign, to guess her big three. And it's a challenge that I sometimes decline because sometimes I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not, I don't know. It's a little all over the place. But mm-hmm. when Bree asks you a question, you you accept the challenge. That is what I learned. <laughs> and it turns out we got it. Nailed it. Yes. Um, when I say there was like a renowned silence between everyone, <laughs> between production, between like all of us, we were just like, wait, she got it. She got it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it happened. But yes. I would say that the thing that really, well, we're going to talk about your Scorpio moon a little bit later on. I would mm-hmm. like for us to kick this episode off, especially because this is Gemini season. Um, yes, it, is. it was just your birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. I would love for us to talk about Gemini slander and Oof. to talk about Gemini hate. The hate is real. It's a lifestyle, honestly. Like I just, I'm walking through the valleys of the shadow of death at all times. No, I'm just kidding. But literally it's funny when people bring up signs, I always get kind of nervous because I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm just waiting on it. You know how like like when some people wait on attendance for the teacher to just mispronounce their name, I'm oh, just, me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm always just waiting for that moment where like, I'll see a, an astrology post or something and it'd be like, you know, the top three worst signs ever in humanity that just need to burn. Da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be on there. And I just anticipate it. So when I'm not on there, I, I get pleasantly surprised by that. And I'm like, also, people tell me a lot that I don't really fully fit uh, some of the Gemini criteria or like they've met a lot of Geminis and I don't fit that completely. But I, I always tell them, I think like the sun, moon and rising and like the whole chart makes a huge difference too. It certainly does. But I also feel like that is a that is shade on Gemini because it's like, oh, you don't seem like a Gemini. Well, it's like, what what a Gemini seem like? Like <laughs> you see creepy like bitches. Like, person, like- <laughs> are, I'm glad that you don't think I am that way. But why do you think all Gemini are that way? <laughs> like, but you're not evil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what are like when you tell someone that you're a Gemini, what is the type of reaction? Like what would be a dramatic reaction to you being a Gemini that you have received? Literally, um, ooh, okay, there's like three I usually get. There's one that says that's the confused, like, hmm, ooh, I I didn't expect that. So confused, nervous. Confused, <laughs> nervous, like um, then there's like uh I get the bold one where it's like, oh, so you're two-faced. <laughs> I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, okay. Um, and then uh I think the the really like kind of like shady one where it's just like, hmm. Yikes. And, you know, and I'm just so just standing there awkwardly like, uh, yeah. So how do you feel when that happens? What do you say? I just feel like, oh, man, this might be so wrong to say, but I feel like 
<laughs> just from experience, I feel like a lot of um, signs get a bad rep due to like toxic masculinity and misogyny and just like dating in general. I feel like a lot of uh, so I used to just joke and be like, no, no, that's that's like the the cishet men <laughs> Gemini's that are ruining it for us all. Because um, like I, I once upon a time dated a cishet Gemini man and. It was just, I was like, oh, the, the hot and cold nature of this all was just fresh. I need consistency. Like, I, I just was like, oh, this is too much. Like, okay. So for the record, <laughs> Brie is saying that it's not all Geminis that are the problem. It is only cishet men <laughs> that are actually the problem. Your fault. That is on the record. A little army in my, in my Twitter DMs is coming soon. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Like, from my vantage as an astrologer, obviously, like, I would never want people to be listening to this podcast and be like, oh, my God, Elisa does not like one of the signs or there's one sign that yeah. I feel like I create stigma around. But yeah. I would say that unevolved signs are unevolved mm-hmm. signs, you know, like there is the iconic shady Gemini yes. man, woman, whatever the, oh my gosh, you know, yes. and wherever it is in gender, mm-hmm. there are creepy Geminis. There are egotistic, narcissistic Leos. There are really dodgy Scorpios. Like all of the worst cases do also exist if that person has a lot of work to do on themselves. Yeah. But also all of the the best cases exist for those signs too. And I noticed there's a a slight difference. Me and my best friend were biased because her birthday's the day after mine. But I said, um, we both kind of pointed out that there seems to be somewhat of a difference between May and June Gemini's. Cause we're, we're cusp babies kind of like on that Taurus cusp. I don't know. Like, I know you're the expert. I don't know if this has anything to do with that, but when I meet June Gemini's, I kind of like, Hmm, okay. I could see a few of the stigmas here playing out. And even when you look at like celebrity Gemini's, I'm just like, Hmm, okay. Some of the toxic ones tend to be June Gemini's. <laughs> so it's like all shades of June Gemini's. Don't, don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hang out with May Gemini's. <laughs> Exclusively. They're like, all right, Brie, that's May like, what, is that what, 10 days? <laughs> well, there is from an astrological vantage, a evolution that occurs within each Zodiac sign. So it is, and it's not, cusp as much as its degrees. A mm-hmm. zodiac sign is going to start at zero degrees and then it's going to continue to the 29th degree. So wow. each, each sign is sort of moving through its stages mm-hmm. and then it gets into whole like, you know, you have decans and you have decantes and like all of these like sort of micro categories of yeah. the sign. But yeah, I mean, each a sign is not just as simple as a sign. It's also mm-hmm. there's there's sub signs within that sign. You know, it's kind of funny you say that because I'm I'm literally thinking I was thinking about like all the nuanced aspects of Gemini's that I'm still unfamiliar with. Right. And it's funny when I, you know, told someone, hey, I'm about to go on Elise's podcast to literally talk about si- like uh, my sign. And they're like, oh, yeah, like time to get red, <laughs> red for film. Like, <laughs> it's just a running joke. Like, I feel like I have to have humor as a Gemini around my sign um, It's just like a coping mechanism. Well, I would honestly say that that is one of the reasons I adore Gemini so much mm-hmm. because if any other sign got as much shade as Gemini, they'd be like, fuck astrology. This is a toxic <laughs> and horrible craft. Like this is very cruel. But because yeah. Gemini intrinsically have such an incredible sense of humor, they're like, yeah, drag me. Like, it's fine. Like, drag me for three you, miles. Drag like, me. I'm just gonna <laughs> just sit here. No, for real, like, I, that is actually kind of true it, it always surprises me when people like my mom and stuff will tell me I'm funny because it, it I feel like it's very unintentional but I feel like being lighthearted is is kind of natural it's like something that comes quite natural to me because it's just like there's so much like in the world to feel weird about and also I feel like I don't know it could be my sign it could be my also maybe my like intersectionality and like my race as well historically like black people coming through and having all these like coping mechanisms and making something out of nothing all the time I feel like those two just interweave a lot where it's just like I I love uh taking like a heavy moment and and turning it light but then sometimes I love taking a light moment turning it heavy like I'm like did y'all see the news (laughs) well that's nice Gemini duality that is nice Uh Gemini duality Uh okay so always have to have a pair. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the, the 
connotation is like the pair has to be good and evil, but duality can mean so many different things as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of my least favorite pairs is a good and evil pair. That's like my least favorite type of duality. I, I actually feel like that moral binary is like mm. really toxic and like unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Um, I often find that is one of the things that I'm up against the most as an astrologer, where I'll mm. say, you know, we have this transit happening, this astrologically, you know, we have the eclipse right now yeah. we're, as we're recording this, it's eclipse season. And the question that people ask is like, is it good or bad? And like, not to <laughs> is sound there such like, a thing. Right. It's like, <laughs> it is, you know, it just, it is. And there might be some things that we perceive more positively that come from it. And there might be some that are seem more negative at face value, but it is, and it's going to tell many stories and it's going to showcase many different types sure. of truth. And oftentimes something that seems negative, like, you know, not getting hired where you think you're going to get hired or mm -hmm. a breakup, like those types of things actually give way to possibilities that we could have never even imagined. So something that it might be perceived negatively at first is actually like an mm -hmm. important step for a much bigger story. Exactly. And I love that you pointed out that moral binary is subjective as well, because I feel like that's something I'm so big on is literally looking at situations. I love like this is something I'm not going to lie, y'all. Like I will kill a vibe really quick because <laughs> I, I, I love looking at like toxic shit and deep things that really bother people. And I like to dissect it for fun and just be like, why? I, okay. So like, I haven't even told anybody this. Y'all are probably gonna be like, Brie, what the hell? So I literally like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I don't understand necrophilia. Like, I just don't get it. Well, I did not expect you to say that. That <laughs> really, really was the most shocking thing of eclipse season for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause I love like watching like true crime and stuff like that. And just, I love psychology and understanding, you know, what makes people themselves. And I think that's why astrology is also such a, an interesting topic because it's just, I love seeing like, I kind of like even technology, like taking things apart and seeing how they work and then putting them back together and having this newfound understanding. But I was like, I, one of my goals in life is not to have hatred for anyone more so, but understanding I can disagree with things that people have done, but I don't want to hate any, anyone for anything. So I was literally like watching a true crime documentary and I'm just like, what, what makes someone want to do this? Like, I just don't get it. And then I read up on psychology and was like, oh, okay. Like that actually makes complete sense. I still don't agree. <laughs> Wait, is is necrophilia having sex with a dead body? Yes, yes. Because um, they were talking about it was like a um documentary. I think it was called uh, I want to say crazy, not insane. I I forgot the name, but it's on it's on Hulu. Um, and it was about a doctor. She's the one who's studying. Oh, dang it, the the name has changed. It used to be called uh multiple personality disorder, but now it's called. Disassociative, disassociative identity disorder identity disorder exactly and um y'all I'm, I'm on it <laughs> yes thank you I'm trying to stay current y'all it's just you know you know out there so much information to stay current on but yeah she was talking about basically how most of the serial killers that um we've had in our societies have had some type of like issues within the frontal lobe as well as some sort form of a uh, disassociative her uh, identity disorder, They, she talked about how she was one of the last people to see Ted Bundy before execution and how he wrote her letter and she noticed that his handwriting in previous letters was different. Woo! Isn't that chills, right? Right? And and so she hypothesized and she's, she's like really against the death penalty. Um, so a lot of people disagree with her on things, but she was like, if we kill people that have these illnesses, we cannot study them and we cannot help treat um, people in the future or catch them early, you know, before someone gets to this point of, of deep harm. Right. So then they got into the topic of like the levels of necrophilia and like how different serial killers, some do and some don't. So I was just like, that's an interesting common phenomena that I'm just like, curious about what makes someone like that. And okay. Fun fact. I know people listening might be actually curious it was um, people who during childhood had some sort of trauma around rejection. 
and feeling um, unloved or someone who might have had like an abusive household that was heavily critical. So they literally they were like TMI, but like <laughs> a corpse can't judge you, cannot criticize you, cannot degrade you, you know what I mean? And can't talk back, can't call you ugly, can't reject you and things like that. So they said, that's what, why people, they said, it's like a step above people who use blow up dolls. Same, same reasoning. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense that you would. And then there's like the power dynamic of it also. Exactly. All of those, if you have been like rejected and and demeaned, shut down. Yes. And then, and you need to assert you need to have a sense of agency and autonomy mm-hmm. and power then you're gonna kill someone you have sex with them obviously mm-hmm. of course why would it exactly it's a normal thing to do um no but i i understand i have the same brain as you i think in wanting to understand this thing. <laughs> i yeah. feel like we relate i think it's yeah important. And it's like it's not a topic you can bring up with just anybody but it's it's refreshing when people are open to it because i'm like yeah, I really want to know when I'm watching things and not just be like, oh, that, you know how people are like that disgusting animal. Da, 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 da. I'm like, you know, oh, it was there was a quote that I read, too. It was like because um, I am really into Buddhism as well. And it, it was about seeing the humility in every human on the planet and humanizing yourself and saying that, OK, this person is human just like me. So I have the potential to be anyone on the planet at this current given moment. And that frees me from a place of judgment, you know, Mm, mm -hmm. because everyone, I feel like there's cause and effect for how everyone becomes, you know, eventually. I think that that is actually one of the main reasons that I have found astrology to be continuously interesting and regenerative Mm. is because it continues to expose how totally different people are, how incredibly similar they are too. Like, in a birth chart, the 360 wheel, we have all of the zodiac signs. So, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are throwing shade at Gemini, like, oops, sorry, you it's also have Gemini chart. in your chart too. <laughs> like, yes. because you have all of the signs in you and mm-hmm. at different points in your life, they're going to, you're going to feel them and express them differently. But your birth chart, this unique diagram of where the planets and stars were at the moment that you arrived is also really, really special and mm-hmm. really um, individual. And very specific to your needs. So it also helps, you know, especially with like couples who are trying to navigate different ways of communicating, different ways of feeling safe. Like, Mm -hmm. let's start by recognizing simultaneously that you are both extremely different and also that you have enough similarities that you can find your mirror in each other. Mm, Absolutely. It might not be a one to one. Yeah. The way that you feel safe might not be the way the other person thinks they feel safe in relationships, but maybe the way that you need to feel safe in your professional life is going to help give you insight as to how this person needs to feel safe at home. Yes. And it also is very freeing when you think about it that way, because a lot of times we we look at our relationships in our life as so fixed. And I've even been going through this transformationally recently where I've had to pivot with some people that I interact with on a daily basis And then I speak to someone else. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're exactly the person I've been looking for, for this role in my life, this, this, um, you know, even with colleagues and things like that. And, you know, I used to think, oh, this is just how it's going to be. And now I'm pivoting out of that because of realizing, like you said, how different we are. And I love trying to tap into similarities, but sometimes it, you know, I've learned to meet people where they are and not where I am all the time, because some people, you know, aren't ready to meet you at the, the stage you are in your life. And that's yes. perfectly okay. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. And it's actually sometimes um, ironically disrespectful to try to impose, to ask somebody mm. to give you more to meet them because it's also not seeing them for where they're meeting you Ooh. to be like, well, I'm meeting you at a hundred percent. Why are you only at 60? It's like, well, why are you trying to get them to come up to a hundred? Yeah. Like let's erasure. Go, go down to 60. You know, mm-hmm. if they can, if they're only able to give you 60% of attention, then don't mm-hmm. put the don't set them up for failure by demanding a hundred, you know? Yeah. And I'm even guilty of that. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, um, you know, I'm somebody and <laughs> my partner mentions this on a frequent basis. He he literally says, Brie, I have to remind you, you are a very rare person. You, I, and he was like, I know that you think 
that people think like you and da 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 da. And he's like, but no, finding someone like you, it's it's also quite romantic, but he's like, finding someone like you is actually very, very difficult and rare. So he said, you need to cherish that you are rare. And then like, you know, because I'm also like sensitive i think <laughs> i think we mentioned the scorpio move but like literally <laughs> literally like i'm a i feel like i'm a um not an oreo maybe no twinkies are soft all the way through but i'm like just something <laughs> with a soft filling <laughs> <laughs> maybe you are a crunch wrap supreme a crunch wrap supreme or something <laughs> with a blast on the side y'all but literally <laughs> and it's like that now that is romance right My partner true romance crunch food and, and i are just one but it, it, that like hearing that puts so much in a perspective right because um, when people would do things that would, you know, hurt my feelings in some way or something like that, I just couldn't, like, there was a time in my life I just couldn't understand. Like, you know, all, all I need is this one thing. Like, why, why is this so difficult for them when I feel like it's, it's not that difficult, right? Maybe it's like to com- just send a text or, you know, things like that. But of course that, that was, you know, more immature, I guess, version of myself. And now I have to realize, okay, like I'm somebody who is, you know, maybe, maybe through trauma too, but like very, very committed to like growth and understanding things and very imperfect, but very aware of my imperfection at the same time. And I realized that, you know, some people are, you know, everyone's on their journey. Um, There's this rap quote uh, from, I forgot what song it's from, but I, I always think about this quote. Um, it's like we uh, walk the same path, but have on different shoes, live in the same building, but we have different views and then um, different levels, different devils kind of thing. So like everybody's going through things, but seeing them differently. Oh, I love that. That's so that's beautiful. Yes. Uh, I, I sorry, y'all. It's a credit, but um, Google those lyrics. Uh, they're definitely a very popular song. I just, I, that's a lyric that I've remembered since high school. And whenever I'm coming to a crossroads where I don't understand, like, especially being like multiple minorities, when someone just can, cannot absorb uh, the understanding of my experience fully in any way, um, I have to remember that they're, I'll just think, okay, I'm on the East wing. They're on the West wing of this building. So they're seeing a flower garden. Meanwhile, I'm seeing like a a fucking shootout and bomb squad (laughs) approaching. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. have a, maybe like a a spot that they just cannot physically see from my point of view. And that is real. (laughs) I think that it's so, you know, at the time of this recording, as I had mentioned, Mm -hmm. eclipse season, Every this happens every eclipse season to me. I was born on a lunar eclipse, so I have you know the eclipses are very electric in my life, and I don't know if it's you know a chicken or egg situation. But (laughs) eclipse season, I come around and I say, okay, eclipse season, we want to you know take a pause on our manifestation practice. We're Mm. you know we're kind of like not intention setting. We're not charging our crystals. We're really letting the the energy is very chaotic, so we're letting the cosmos Mm -hmm. do their thing. Wow. The pushback on this that I get on the internet is extraordinary. Really? And it's, yeah, it's, I, and I am very mm-hmm. grateful, you know, knock on wood, that generally speaking, mm-hmm. I have, I don't get a lot of trolls. You know, I mm-hmm. have a, a, I feel very fortunate on social media that that hasn't been a mainstay in my experience other mm-hmm. than in eclipse season, <laughs> specifically when I say don't manifest during eclipse season, suddenly everybody is like, who is this bitch? What does she know? know? What are her sources? And I, just before our podcast today, I went through and I had, I had been dealing with some family stuff. So I hadn't really been Mm -hmm. on social media. And I saw all my, these comments of like, just like like rebellion in the comments sheer section rebellion. of people being yes, yeah, sheer rebellion. <laughs> people being like unfollowing. Who is I this bitch? This. Like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> do you don't if you want to go fucking manifest? I don't give a fuck. Like, this is just my this practice. And I'm sharing this my experience. page. But I also remember that social media is just projection. Get mm, into it, you know. And it really is just what people are projecting onto each other. So, how mm-hmm. do you Brie, with seven hundred fucking thousand subscribers on YouTube, and I'm sure many more high numbers across? the different platforms. Yes. How do you manage all of that 
projection because it is it is over it's a lot of people it is so overwhelming that is actually a really good question um and honestly i did have to take like a social media break um especially last year i took quite a bit like i was still working with my teams and you know things like that and doing sponsorships here and there you know we gotta keep the lights on but i literally uh had to take a break because also what i will say is the culture of the internet and YouTube and social media has changed drastically since when mm. I started. I started YouTube in the days, shout out to anybody who knows about th- this time period, but like um, when when girls on YouTube who did makeup would ship each other boxes of their favorite makeup and do um, an unboxing and you say, oh, doing my makeup with so-and-so's favorite products and like those, just those wholesome videos. Yeah, that sounds production. so Yeah, and I, I really want to get back to that place, but I also realized that um, in order to thrive and survive, you have to evolve with society in in certain aspects, right? You don't have to, but if you want to be in entertainment, you kind of do. But um, so what I do when it comes to projection is number one, having a strong, strong support system and friend group. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I was not feeling like myself like this past year and really just turned off from social media a bit, like just sharing because I, y'all like, I put out a cooking video and someone was like, "Ugh, the way that she cooks garlic is so cringe. And literally like she's chopping up the herbs with scissors. Number one, they are kitchen shears. Okay. I was like, that's like a very normal thing. That's literally what they're in the nice set for. I know a lot of us families use the kitchen shears to cut open like normal things and stuff. That's what they're for. Anywho. So like, yeah, you, you see your expression right now of sheer, like utter, just like, what the fuck? That's the the feeling like, so I will go into these places with a sheer joy about what I'm sharing. And it's like a, a trend now online to just like, think, what is the, the, where can I find something wrong? It's like, we're scanning everything for something that we can tear apart and we get praise for finding errors in things, right? So one thing I do is I have a strong support system. So if someone is questioning like something I said on Twitter or whatever, like I get a lot of white supremacists in my in my DMs with the death threats. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I may respond if I just feel a little cheeky that day. But nine times out of 10, I'm getting your page taken down. Like that is my new just just pride and joy it brings me sheer bliss like i report white supremacists (laughs) all day every day like anywho so like yeah just taking measures to protect myself online i think is also another thing i know now which words can be very triggering based on my moral compass and i know some people are like oh you know they don't allow comments because they can't handle criticism i'm like Handling criticism from 1.3 million people is not natural to anybody. Right. I don't care if, how big of a celebrity you are. It's not natural. Most celebrities don't even read magazines or tabloids for their for their sanity's sake, right? So I blacklist the N-word. I blacklist like, oh, just like fake. <laughs> you know, I blacklist the word ad because I'm like, like if on YouTube somebody's like, oh, oh my gosh, she has three ads in this video. Like, y'all like this is a free platform like i you know what i'm saying there's things you see how i'm already getting riled up like oh like like why yeah that i'm you know spending 13 14 hours from planning to filming to lighting to doing this video to editing it to metadata and uploading and spending an hour to answer comments and and people are like complaining about a 15 second ad is just like mind boggling. Cause I literally sit through people's ads and initially I'd be like, Oh, and then I'm like, nah, get your coin girl. Like I literally snap out of it and, and celebrate their ads because I'm like, this is the least I can do with uh, how much effort they probably put into this. So yeah, I just blacklist a bunch of words that they don't even show up on my page and they automatically go to like a review box. And that is something that's helped me tremendously because I used to have so much anxiety mm-hmm. around my comment section, I'd be at dinner and be like, Oh, what if somebody, because sometimes you can have one negative comment. That's about something so small. Like they're like, Oh, that hair that dropped down onto her forehead is bothering me. And then suddenly a thousand people are liking that comment. And then that's a top comment and no one's talking about anything else. So it's like, guys, you know, I, I spent days on this and we're talking about oh, a piece of hair. Like, so, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. So like, 
I used to kind of just constantly obsessively check my comments um, because I just didn't want to derail the hard work I put in with some mm-hmm. minuscule. Now I leave up a lot of criticism though. I leave up like if it, if it's constructive and things, I'll reply to it and leave it up. You know, when I like what would be constructive criticism? Um, hey, Brie, uh, the audio was a little off in this video. I'll oh, like that that's in. like a technical. Yeah, that's like yeah. a literal technical note. And I can literally and I'll thank people for that. But like saying the way I cook garlic is cringy is not constructive criticism. Right. I mean, that's what I was also thinking is like of, you know, having millions of people watching. Like yeah. if every million, if every person has a constructive piece of feedback that's mm-hmm. still a million it's so helpful hurtful things oh well, yeah that is true that is very true <laughs> yeah because nobody wants to see themselves in a light especially like i'm super sensitive to certain energies because you're psychic yes yes even on twitter um you know i i just want to emphasize like like it's so important to go off of someone's character now there is things that we see online where or are things we see online where it's blatant like okay like they're breaking the law law like or you know like the people are you know all these assault scandals going on on youtube with these big youtubers that like okay like run it up trolls but you know literally (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) this is your season go yes (laughs) you've been waiting one of the things that i've pointed out oh i'm so glad i just thought about this because it applies to me it it may not be universal but i feel this way if you are if the uh, criticism you're giving is truly constructive and out of care you'll do it in private i really do feel that way because um when we do see someone do a big thing and it's just like Hey, your nipples out. Like, you know, you'll see that on, on, on like a try on haul, right? You're drawing all this attention. And now like the comment section, you can get likes on your comment. So it's like, was this for the creator or was this so other, like, you know, you'll see people like who agrees that this is the worst video of all time and it'll get a thousand likes or da da. So like people are getting dopamine and that feeling of validation from hating people and, and saying negative things or criticizing. Right. And when I reflected on myself, there's not a single person that I criticized publicly that I respected Donald Trump. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) literally like, but when I think about it, I've, I've known even YouTubers that had scandals around, uh, old tweets, right. There was, I've only done this once y'all, y'all, y'all know who some of them are then. And it's not who, who you're thinking of because absolutely not. <laughs> but, um, but there was one person that had a scandal around old tweets and guess what? Because I had met this person and everything and spent time around them. And I was even personally affected by some of them because they were very racist streets from many years ago. I sent them a DM, you know what I mean? And I, I expressed, Hey, this is how this made me feel here. Like here are some sources of like things that you can follow up on and, you know, uh, just hoping to see like a change in behavior and a true commitment to growing out of this. And that person ended up mentioning me in a future video as they were, you know, actively getting involved in different organizations and things to help learn and, and, uh, like deprogram that in their Mm -hmm. mind. So if I respect you, I feel like people are more receptive to private criticism as well. Well, private criticism is completely different than uh, publicly, you know, making a snarky public. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, let's be honest, is there to try to create sort of like a its own um, fandom. Yes. Yes. Period. I, I, on a smaller scale on this eclipse bullshit, I, someone posted this like very elaborate comment, you know, elaborate, literally <laughs> elaborate. Whole like, essay. And then at the end of it, they were like, if you're interested, you know, come follow my page. And it was like, <gasps> not you promoting on hatred. Not, so it was a promo. <laughs> so it was a promo. Like, so this really wow. rude, disrespectful interaction was a way for you to try to siphon followers to follow you and get likes on your shit so that you can then promote and then it's like but then i understand because it's like okay you're trying to start an astrology practice you're trying to start some sort of a magical thing you don't have the you don't have the following you haven't figured out your fucking secret sauce so what you're doing is you're doing it antithetical to people who have worked like myself mm-hmm. for fucking 10 years 
really hard yes. to create the uh, mm-hmm. insight that I offer. Exactly. Which makes it so easy to do that. You'd <laughs> be like, wrong. Come follow me if you want to do it right. I did one Google search and she is tripping. Like, what? <laughs> right. And I think that's another so, big issue is people will do that one Google search. And you're not even on Google Scholar. Like, can we get some peer-reviewed sources, please? Thank you. Um, literally, I'm like, not you looking. And they're like, my source is Twitter. And I'm like, you know what? Please, please. Right. And then I, I'm also recently getting my sources TikTok, which is also like, okay. Okay. I don't think Wikipedia even takes TikTok as a legitimate source, but like, fine. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm glad a 14 year old told you something about astrology. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Glad to hear it. Oh my gosh. If I, if I went off of and got internet fame off of all the things I was wrong about at 14, like I can't even imagine the mass hysteria that would have ensued online from, from everything. I'm like, yeah, it just, and not even to be like ageist or anything, because I know, well, I knew at the time, an eight-year-old who was like way brighter than some of the 50-year-olds I know. So (laughs) totally, totally, totally. Literally. I mean, I think that teenagers have incredible amounts of wisdom, but I don't think TikTok is a source. I don't. I will stand by that. Agreed. (laughs) I don't think that it is a source that can be sourced. (laughs) Absolutely. And the only people I even trust on TikTok is people that like like, okay, they literally will get up and show their degree placards and things like, okay, I've worked this long in this. I worked this long. Like there's someone I even follow who she's studied. Um, what is it? Like basically oppression. And she's like, I got, she said, I went to three Ivy league schools to study oppression. Like I just needed to understand misogyny. <laughs> and I was like, wow, queen. But first of all, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny. Like she still gets those trolls, like mansplaining to her, but it's funny because I love the clap, like an educated clap back, just chef's kiss. Amazing. Like literally she'll be like, Oh, see, um, the reason you're saying this and bringing up what you do with your kids is because people often project using examples from the area they feel most insecure about, which would be parenting for you. And literally like, <laughs> I'm just like, Oh bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a, a really thoughtful clapback. I love thoughtful clapbacks. Yes. And, and people have every right to do offer a thoughtful clapback. If somebody is leaving those kind of comments, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if I were to sum it all up, put a little bow on it, And then there was a message. It would say, like, try to not perpetuate negativity and violence on social media. If you really genuinely have a problem with something that somebody posted, and especially if it's like a non-political thing, like message them and try to have a or quest, you know, you could ask a thoughtfully worded question like that's no problem. But to say something bitchy just to try to siphon followers for yourself is literally perpetuating violence. Like it is, that is what at the heart of it, it's doing. And I feel like so many of us are guilty of that too. Like, I mean, I've even been there granted. Yes. I was projecting and I was super fucking triggered. Like it was, um, there's a a YouTuber I used to follow who just went into the deep end of like conservative. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so, it's like, that is becoming such a trope like that's not even a that's not even a rant like a wild one-off anymore yeah something that you hear about more and more (laughs) which is so fucking scary i i did make a good joke though guy i I would like to tell my joke please do please do i'd love a good i'm retiring from my um re-trolling people that are spewing hatred but so this person literally i know a lot of people probably know who i'm talking about because it went viral but like this person literally wears foundation that's like four shades too dark for them and they are white and they also wear now like sew-ins and weaves and things that are a little bit curlier and wavier than their natural hair texture and (laughs) river has it they told another youtuber who's huge oh yeah it seems like People like you are in right now. Like you're getting all the brand deals because you're trying to diversify. I am so serious. I'm so serious. So I made this joke because she was trying to use like the Bible to justify like being anti-black and like conservative things. Meanwhile, she's like trying to look racially ambiguous. 
So I said, girl, I literally quote tweeted one of the things she said about just like, it was just so wrong. I said, girl, if Jesus was here today, you would probably gaslight him and steal his foundation shades at Sephora. And everybody was crying. But like, seriously, I had to, I could not y'all like, oh my God, I (laughs) am obsessed with that. That is so amazing. I also, (laughs) because yeah, like what would be the world that Jesus would walk into today? Yeah. It would be a world where you have Sephora's (laughs) (laughs) and you have Jesus. A shade at Sephora. I would like to think that Jesus <laughs> would have a mad blend game and a cut crease. Like I, I would like oh it. Oh my God. I am so <laughs> for that. That is incredible. The, the gym, that's like, I would like to see it. <laughs> I feel truly that if Jesus were here today, mm-hmm. he would be uh, like really fabulous. Absolutely. He would, like, really. He would be, he would look incredible. He would be really experimental. He would be really progressive. He Absolutely. would be yeah, and he would probably be an influencer. Oh, yeah, and that's the whole yes, irony. He was. He was. <laughs> that's the whole irony. Not to get like super political, but I'm always down to get super political. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, it's funny because like being conservative, there's so many things in conservative nature that just go directly contradict the very book that they're using to be conservative. I'm like, I'm like, didn't I say like, in that book we're talking about immigrants being rescued from like enslaved, being rescued from bondage and doing right by you know the people that were in bondage and also feeding the the sick and the poor and then also <laughs> like swarms of locusts attacking the the people that did that did wrong and had no remorse so i'm like if you don't want to be like eaten by swarms of locusts i think (laughs) yeah i also like one of the things that really stands out to me is that idol worship was one uh, was like so problematic Mm -hmm. and then like the conservative rebranding rebranding yeah (laughs) of of jesus and mary and the whole crew is like just making them idols yeah, because it's not making them nuanced individuals or allowing room for nuance, mm. allowing room for multidimensionality and complexity. And it becomes, I, I mean, actually coming full circle, that moral binary of right and wrong and good and evil when like life is so much more multidimensional and so much more layered than that as it should be. Oh my gosh. So much more complex. And that's yes. why it's and hard to beautiful. like disagree with someone in that mind frame because they will just like regurgitate the same script over and over and just so closed off to any new perspectives where I feel like a lot of people who are leftists and things like that are open to constantly learning. And once you realize something's wrong and I mean, some, not all, like we cannot generalize like that. That's the whole point of, you know, the podcast as well. It was, you know, but like you said, finding the individuality amongst people. Also, I wanted to bring it back to a quick thing that you were mentioning too about, um, manifesting during eclipse season i actually wanted to ask you why don't you manifest during eclipse season well there's like a practical answer Mm -hmm. uh there's a like the technical answer is simply that the sun and the moon which are the luminaries Mm -hmm. which are our day-to-day planets our celestial bodies yeah are obstructed they're in shadow they are not functioning normally they are um, they are not they are shifting their perspective in a way that obviously us as recipients of the cosmos, as participants in the cosmos, we are also obstructed. We are also in shadow. We are also not seeing things clearly. It's not negative by any means. It doesn't need to be, but it's not necessarily, we're not in a state of mm-hmm. mind where we can really clarify and know what exactly we want. This is a time to look at things from a different point of view because mm-hmm. the sun and moon are, you know, the yeah. moon is fucking red. The yeah. sun is uh, like day becomes night. Like these are cataclysmic shifts. You might not manifest exactly what you're, you know, it's exactly so fascinating. I love, love, love like that answer and, and the reasoning behind it. That makes complete sense. Yeah. It's very logical. Yeah. And then the other reason, which is more subjective, mm-hmm. is that I think it's important to take a break from manifesting. I think it's important mm, to, absolutely. you know, to like just cool things down, not overwater your plants. Also, (laughs) exactly. Yes. Find some gratitude for what you have. Mm, Wow. Yes. Find a little humility for what you don't have and what you are aspiring to create. And instead of just constantly being on that 
churning cycle of more, 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 like also kind of checking in with yourself and being like, wait, is the thing that I thought I wanted six months ago still what I want today? But you don't if you're just going and going and going, you don't have that break to really reflect Mm. and to reexamine where you're at and what you want to be creating. And anything that is done mechanically um, ends up being disconnected from our in, our soul, our truth, yeah. our intention. So I also, separately from like the technical uh, spatial aspects of things, I also consider just, you know, every six months, it's why not take six weeks off of manifesting to just be present, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I had like this, this really fascinating thought when you said this too. All right, hear me out. Okay. I've got literal goosebumps thinking about it. Um, since I feel like we are the universe and the universe is us, I think, and this probably is out there already. I feel like people can eclipse us. Definitely. And I literally, because I was like, how many times have y'all out there listening, had somebody in your life who you held on to, um, for either personal reasons, or you felt like guilty about letting them go. But the moment you let them go, it felt like the the sun came out. It felt like everything realigned. Beautiful new things started being invited into your life. Beautiful new people started coming into your life and room was made for the appropriate connections. I was like, I feel like just hearing about how things can't connect the way they need to when there's a blockage is such a fascinating thought. Yes. And sometimes our our intentions, our manifestations can also eclipse us. Wow. Yeah. Like if we are, you know, like the person who's like, I have to meet a husband. I have to get pregnant by this time. I have to get this. I have to have this amount Mm -hmm. of money. I need this in order to validate myself. They no longer become, uh, they're, they're no longer in touch with what actually who who they are. They Mm. become sort of like, these Frankensteins yeah, of their manifestations. Vessel. Exactly. Wow. And if we manifest during an eclipse, and this isn't, I mean, we're talking about spirituality people. Yes. Like, it, it also doesn't have to be this. Mm-hmm. But in my practice, I think this is a great opportunity to not let your goals and your intentions become capitalistic spirituality. Yes. You know, exactly. like where you actually can just back off for a second, assess, mm-hmm. examine, be a co creator with yeah. your own spiritual practice by allowing um, new frame, new points of view and frames of reference to come to the surface rather than just like, I want, I want, I want. Exactly. And this also brings up a good uh, point about fate versus free will that I love talking about where people are like, what's the difference between fate and free will? And I always just use an example I thought of like, fate is we were destined to meet, right? Like free will is in one dimension or one way of our story. I was supposed to meet you at the library. But then mm-hmm. my professor stopped me on the way out of class to ask me something. So I ended up not going to the library and going straight to my dorm. But then I ended up meeting you at a party, right? <laughs> so yeah. I feel like um, that's that's such an interesting thing about manifesting and, and wanting to do it at the appropriate times. And also um, leaving room for free will because a lot of times... People will want things, but want them a certain done a certain way. And I feel like you can manifest the, the destination, but not necessarily the journey a hundred percent, at least in my mm-hmm. experience, like I'll be like, um, one of the things I'll say every couple of years when I need a little cleanse, energy cleanse in my life, I'll say, remove any energy that is basically stifling or not, uh, positive for my journey and trajectory and free anyone who I'm blocking as well. Mm-hmm. So free us both, right? But whew, y'all be ready when you say that because it might be someone you are not <laughs> expecting. You was actually totally. pointing at the person over there. And mind you, the, the person you were thinking of when you manifested that might actually become neutral with you and no longer <laughs> toxic. It was just a misunderstanding. And then your best man, your friend, your home skillet biscuit of 13, 14 years might be the person that is removed. And you're just like, what the, wait a damn minute. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that also is, you know, when you are a magical, powerful, witch practitioner, mm-hmm. uh, soulful being, which, you know, a lot of the people who are obviously listening to this podcast are, you obviously are mm-hmm. like, there is, you do have to be careful 
right? And yeah. you know that in saying like, I am only going to put myself on a path that is aligned with my highest purpose means that you might lose your friends. You know, mm-hmm. you might lose your job yep. because it's not, if that's not in your highest purpose and you gave the universe those direct orders, like you might not be ready for that. So it's okay mm-hmm. to be gradual also. And it's okay to take six weeks off to just like yep. check in with yourself and see yeah. what's actually going on so that you can catch your breath before you mm-hmm. just start chopping off your friends left and right, you know? Yep. And sometimes a good manifestation is uh, send me what I need, you know? Yes. Sometimes they're more ambiguous because sometimes the negative, like quote unquote negative experiences, I was just talking about this, like around my birthday, um, how had, I not gotten, like, I got rejected from one college, right? It was my my dream school. Had I not been rejected from that school and get this, there was a, a state science fair. I wasn't even supposed to go. My teacher out of 80 students was like, all right, we need someone to go to the Saturday science fair and take their, their science project. In my senior year of high school, I'm already mentally checked out of everything. <laughs> and literally everybody's ducking. She's like, no volunteers, no volunteers. All right, Brie, I'm sending you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Like what kind of evil is this, right? And I was just dragging my feet, went there. I ended up winning the science fair um, in computer science. They gave me a, and then I was awarded a giant check for a scholarship to a school that I hadn't even thought about applying to. I ended up, I think, no, I did apply, but kind of like last minute through the Common App. Then I had a full tuition scholarship, ended up going there and Literally last week, the friend group that I was finally able to reunite with and my best friend of half a decade now, I met them all at that institution. So I would have never had this friend group, these experiences that I, that I cherish and all this stuff. Like my literal support system was built from the ground up, like at that school, my, my, you know, you go through those phases of like young adulthood and like growing out of high school and stuff, but my now young adult, like 20s support system and friend group was birthed there. And I'm sure I would have made friends anywhere, you know, wherever I went, but I really think my friend group is very special, you know, and, and I yeah, cherish yeah, them. Yeah. So like, I always uh, beg you guys just when, when you're, when you're going through a negative time, that's something that helps me so deeply is think about a negative time that resulted in something that you cannot like imagine your life without today. Totally. And then think of, and then just, you know, have that thought, what if this moment is to bring me to another person, place, or thing that I would not be able to imagine my life without a few years from now, right? Totally, totally. And then like also trusting that, you know, sometimes when something doesn't go according to the plan that you had Mm -hmm. in mind, like you don't need to course correct for that instantaneous. Yes. Like, you can just see what happens. Sit in it. Literally Period. make mistakes. Y- YOLO is a powerful, <laughs> powerful little manifestation right there. I literally, I said there was a time in my life, like actually ugh, last week, okay. I literally decided like, okay, I'm going to try to just challenge and push myself to conquer a few fears I had. And for the first time in my life, I jumped into open water. I've always, you know, I can tread and all those things. And I've been able to like, you know, in a pool, go from the shallow to the deep end, but I'm not the type of person that runs and jumps in the deep end, right? Figuratively, literally, however you may take that. That's so beautiful. That's so poetic. Thank you. And I I finally just did it. And I, I remember looking, looking, looking at the edge. And I had to have this moment where I looked behind me and I said, who's jumping in if I don't come up after six seconds? <laughs> and then oh. somebody volunteered and I was like, okay. And I just remember just saying over and over in my head, I'm protected. I'm protected. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And then I jumped in and like the bubbles and everything just propelled me right back to the surface. And I remember just looking around with this awe, just like, I'm, I'm just, I, I did it. Like I didn't. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. I, that's so amazing. It's been one of the most rewarding experiences to even have gone through that. And, um, you know, so this thing that used to just terrify me. I've now opened so many doors in my life because though I didn't like, so I'm, I literally jumped off uh, this, my sound increase. <laughs> I jumped off a cliff, like literally a, like a small cliff into open water. You know how people do cliff diving and stuff. 
So when I say I went for it, (laughs) I went for it. So the first few times I did it, yes, I did it multiple times, y'all, because (laughs) that, that should tell you that too. If there's something you've been waiting to try, you never know. You might get over the initial funk and it might become one of your favorite things. Um, but I did it a few times with life jacket from the higher heights. And then I was like terrified to do it with no goggles or life jacket for the shallow end. And I ended up holding my nose as hard as I could. And it was just, it reminded me of something Will Smith said a long time ago. Where he said, fear doesn't make sense. Your most of your fear doesn't make sense. He said that he was going skydiving and he said, I'm he said, I'm nervous to the point where I can barely eat breakfast the morning of. I'm nervous the night before. I'm nervous when I'm being I'm at the plane and we're boarding and everything. And he said, but the moment that the instructor they said they go on two, because most people hold at three, he said, the moment that we were out of the plane and I had to let go, he said, there was no fear in my heart. All every it was pure utter bliss because he you're doing it and he said most of our fears are happening when we're not even anywhere near the source of what right, we're afraid right, of right 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 and that's that's really what happened to me like the moment that my toes left the edge of that rock I just it was like it was little sink or swim it's the anticipation of the thing as anticipation a hundred percent. We, we were talking about this a lot when I reunited with some of my friends, um, finally, like, cause I noticed, oh, you want to hear something really interesting. My best friend actually has the same, um, sun and moon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's your Gemini twin. I, I really do feel that way. And she just has a different rising, her, her risings in Taurus. And, um, my other good friend who was there has the same moon and rising as me. So we were noticing a lot of overlap in our charts. And when we were all sitting at the table, just discussing these things. And it was just like, Oh, wait a second. So I was like, let me make sure I bring this to the show this week. Cause I, I did ask these questions. So what are some things I was really curious about? I feel like my Scorpio moon has a lot of dominance in my life. So like, um, I was curious if you could tell me more about like, uh, some of the things that I know you predicted that moon for me, but what are some things that you, I know it's not like a monolith, but like notice about Scorpio moons. Scorpio moons, uh, this it's, I I like that you asked that because Scorpio moon is, I I recently on Instagram did like a question Mm -hmm. box and a lot of people asked about like, how do you get a Scorpio moon to open up? Or like, how do I work with my Scorpio moon? (laughs) I know you're like, who said that? Right. Yeah, like <laughs> open book uh, over here. <laughs> um, Scorpio moon is, so the moon sign, your emotional inner world, mm-hmm. how you feel about things yeah. shows you not just um, how you want to be nurtured. It also shows the ways that you maybe weren't nurtured. Mm. It shows what Ooh. you, it shows what you could have been mm. lacking in addition to what you received. And so it could show wow. like where it was, there was a compensation, right? So like my Pisces moon, um, I'm really very si- sensitive, very psychic, very creative, very mm-hmm. um, musical. Yeah. But I also wasn't very protected in tangible ways. Mm-hmm. So I have like an over, um, like it's, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's like I have a overdeveloped in a way, like mm-hmm. spiritual, magical safety. And know how to do that because I didn't have like my mom wasn't very good at like food and yeah. <laughs> like security and like other things. Mm. So like in lieu of those tangible things, I have like a very rich spiritual world. But it also shows where you have that you know you created that in the void of those things. Yeah. So with the Scorpio wow. Moon, which is also a water sign, it's like you have a lot of intensity. You are a very yes. intense person. You feel a very intense things. But it could also show that maybe intense things weren't allowed in your house or like they would Ooh, become problematic or wow. they would, it would be hard for you to make to talk about nuance because you would get in trouble for it. You know, yes. so it's like your what actually brings you safety isn't just because you had that as safety. It also shows where you compensated for mm-hmm. not having something. So with the Scorpio moon, who is a very, you know, there is privacy is really important for a Scorpio yes. moon. And the reason that yes. we don't oh try gosh. to disrespect that is because it's not just because they like it. It's also survival. You know, mm-hmm. like your emotional privacy is not just like your nice to have. It's like I need this in order to feel safe because I had to cultivate this 
to feel safe or else I wouldn't have had this at all. Yes. And and it's been such an evolution. That is so fascinating that you just said that because that's very, very true. You know, I, I first generation, um, me and my mom's relationship has evolved a lot. Like we're, we're really good at like, um, talking through things now and just like getting, getting, how do I put it? Like my mom doesn't take anything personally anymore as like, condemning, you know, when I talk about my Mm -hmm. own experiences during childhood, it used to be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, by talking about you, you're talking about me. And it's like, no, it's not necessarily always sometimes, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not always the case. And, um, that's very, very true because growing up with a single parent, um, there was like, my mom did acknowledge that she like developed the silent treatment from one of her parents. Mm-hmm. And so there were those times of like, oh, conflict breeds the silent treatment, which when I wasn't as mature into my studies and things like that did lead me into the realms of abuse and things because I did subconsciously see intensity as a form of uh, care compassion. and compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, like that's so absurd. Like she thinks that, that be, you know, being physical or aggressive is no, not at all. I've never thought that way, but I think it's important for us to also acknowledge our subconscious when epiphanies about our subconscious arrive. Um, because that's something that I had to realize. And once you realize uh, it's kind of like within the shadow work, but once you realize that there are parts of you that you dislike, but can also be found in healthy relationships and partnerships. For example, I know very well, I like, I crave intensity. I love emotional intensity. I create with emotional intensity. Like I will literally imagine a drawing in my head before I like paint it. And I will tear up because I know like how, how it will come out based on what I saw in my mind. And so I realized, you know, through growing and and learning, oh, I don't have to seek intensity in a toxic way. I can have a partner, like my current partner has a backbone, doesn't take any shit, right? (laughs) Uh, We, we will disagree. Right. But when I, when we disagree, it's about who cares like the most, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, but I did this because I, I, because I cared about making sure that you had this on time. Oh my gosh. You know what? Prime example last night, literally (laughs) we talked about this. Like, um, I usually, because I also am neurodivergent, I have ADHD. I was about to wrap up for the night, but I noticed my partner was still working on something. So I was like, Oh, I could get some more things prepped for the evening. So I was like, naturally just kind of like waiting for them to wrap up. But then my partner kind of like what started to not feel too well. So went to lay down and fell asleep. And if you have ADHD or neurodivergent or know someone like that, I hyper-focused for four hours, not knowing that they went to sleep already because I thought they would knock on my office door. So that's an example of a disagreement we have where it's like, oh, we were both doing something like he said, you know, I called your name, but of course, hyper-focus couldn't hear it. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I left you alone because I thought you were in deep focus mode and I didn't want to disturb you. And it's like, I was in deep focus mode because I wanted to wait for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's what a disagreement with me and my partner look like now. Whereas it's not toxic. It's not all these things, but it does create that emotional intensity. Let's be real. Like, right, right. Where, where you have that, the passionate talk where it's like, no, it's because this is what I was doing and, da, 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 da. and they're like, but you have to understand it's one of those things. But then it's all bliss after like 10 minutes, you know? Yes. And I think that with, in leaving, in recognizing that you can find like intensity, you can find um, passion Mm. in ways that are not destructive. Destructive. Yes. Period. That takes time. But it's also, it's the, to my, my younger self could never imagine genuinely like, truth be told, I could never imagine being in a healthy, functional relationship Mm -hmm. and still like and feeling satisfied because I craved chaos. And Mm -hmm. I thought that only through chaos would I be like I I idolized genuinely a really tumultuous, Mm -hmm. like complicated, sexy, romantic, like all over the yeah, place relationship. Like because Twilight, that very. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and like partially this is like the media's responsibility. And then yes. the other part is like, I grew up in a really chaotic environment. So mm-hmm. for me, like that was an easy, like I can recreate that. And the process of being with my now fiance, but like through the years that we've been together where we have a healthy, honest, mm-hmm. loving, supportive, kind relationship, 
in my early 20s, I would have been like grossed out by it. Yes. You know, <laughs> like I really would have been grossed out because it seemed it would have seemed boring. Yeah. But to my younger self and to anyone listening who is in that state of mind where like a healthy relationship mm-hmm. sounds boring, like I can assure you it is not boring at it all. It's just as dramatic. It is just as much of a mind fuck, except it's healthy. It's, it's like, healthy. It's healthy and you're growing and you're mm-hmm. healing instead of spiraling and yeah. going deeper into your trauma. You are actually evolving together. And I think mm-hmm. that healing is actually much more sexy and much more complicated and much more nuanced than just like, you know, being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. At this point. Oh, at period. This point, period. That. That's and you. Oh, I. Now that you say that, you made me think of something when uh, an old therapist who actually was like the worst. Okay. But she dropped some gems. (laughs) She dropped some gems. Um, So back in the day, she literally told me when I was going through a really like, you know, the only, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just like someone who's always in toxic relationships, but I feel like in the one really, really toxic abusive relationship I've been in, that was where I learned so much about myself and just like what will not be tolerated period and things like that. But she explained to me why some of these behaviors are quite enticing. And she said, you're in a slot machine relationship. And Mm. she's like, so every day that you wake up, you're pulling the lever and you don't Mm -hmm. know what you're going to get. And they, and she's literally said toxicity triggers the abuse centers in your uh, brain and the uh, addiction centers in your brain where you can literally get addicted to a toxic person because you're it's, it's extreme highs and extreme lows. And every day it's a gamble. Right. But what I will say to the people listening out there, a healthy relationship is that direct deposit. Okay. okay. <laughs> the amount it's might so be different true. each time you might get a different, but it's, those, uh, think about how satisfying it is when the direct deposit hits, okay? We're going shopping this weekend. We are putting into savings. We're investing. You know what I'm saying? We're building a life when the direct deposit hits. When the slot machine hits, it's like, are we losing everything? And I think that's something about toxic, I guess, like friendships and romantic relationships is that that constant uncertainty. It's like you're certainly uncertain. <laughs> That's certainly uncertain. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, Brie, it is always such a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, I could talk to you forever, for real. Um, <laughs> but for our listeners who are also now need more, where can we find you? Where where can we find your new podcast? And how can we keep in touch with your journey? Thank you so much. So as we've talked about with Gemini's having many names <laughs> on streaming platforms, my artist and creative name is Lahara, L-A space H-A-R-A. And for all other like social media platforms, it's at Brie Hall official and it's spelled B-R-I. Some people spell it like the cheese, uh, but yeah, it's just B-R-I. <laughs> and yeah. And then for my podcast, my podcast is called Count to Ten. And it will be on all major uh, streaming platforms starting, hopefully, fingers crossed, this June. We're doing a nice little rollout for it. So keep an eye out. I'm very, very excited about it. And you will be seeing your very own, the one, the only, Aliza Kelly. <laughs> there. I mean, can you guys can you guys believe this lady? This is <laughs> unbelievable. You are incredible. You are so magical. It is such Thank a pleasure you. to be connected. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for being on the show. Of course. I cannot wait for all of... I, you're going to take over the world, low-key. Oh, low-key, everybody. You heard that. You heard it here first. <laughs> it was low-key. It was low-key. <laughs> like, uh, writing, writing some things down in my journal after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Brie. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you for having me. 